0: During my first interview, I interviewed with the CEO and I left out of the building going, she can teach me so much. Like, yes, this is it. This is absolutely it. This is exactly
1: where I need to be. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that empowers professional women to rise. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And in this show, I take you undercover into the stories and lessons that I learned, sometimes the hard way, throughout my career. I also talk with working women, leaders, and coaches to show you that no matter what your struggle is and no matter what your career goals are, you already have all the talent that you need to succeed. When things get tough and unpleasant and not fun in our careers, oftentimes there are two paths that we can take as we're going through that difficult thing. The first path is the one where we are stuck in those bad feelings. We want it to end. We're hyper aware of how unpleasant it is, and we want it to stop. And that's where our focus is. And the second path is one where we're experiencing those things. The reality is the same, but our perception of it is completely different. We're focused less on the unpleasant and challenging and difficult feelings in the now, and we're focused a lot more on the why and where that challenging thing is taking us to. Because often we're going through something challenging because we're trying to get from point A to point B. And even if the challenging thing is not part of a goal that we set, it's just a difficult thing, and you don't really see that point B, and you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, there always is one. Because Every single one of those experiences strengthens you and brings you resilience that you get to bring into the next challenge. And that ability to zoom out and to look at our careers and the difficult things that come up from the perspective of what am I learning and what is this bringing to me and where is this in my macro journey rather than hyper focusing on the element that is difficult in the moment. It can make those negative experiences not only less negative, but it allows us to grow from them and extract lessons and become better at our careers and grow into leaders. And I absolutely loved this conversation with today's guest, Tasha Thomas, because everything that she talks about comes from that perspective and that deep understanding that when things are difficult... It's because there's something greater ahead. And in this episode, Tasha shares her career story, a little bit about her life and how she got to the career she has today. And she gives tons of tactical career advice. She talks about things like how you know when it's time to move on to another job, how to build a tight relationship with your manager, how to get more comfortable in your own skin if you're feeling not super confident at work. She talks about her journey through all of those things and gives incredible advice, but all from the perspective of the bigger picture. And I think that that is so incredibly valuable because my end game for you is to move up in your career and to move ahead and to reach for the biggest possible thing that you want. And that ability to zoom out and see the bigger picture the way that Tasha sees it, it helps you learn more. It helps you move up faster, and it makes your day-to-day more enjoyable. I'm so excited for you to hear from Tasha. I'm so excited for you to hear her story and all of the incredible career advice that she gives. And with that, I will let you meet her and learn a little more about her. Enjoy.
0: So my name is Latasha Thomas. Right now, I'm the controller and VP of administration for a local nonprofit here in the Bay Area. So that's my by-day job. My nights and weekends are spent, I have my own company called My Finances Matters, where I teach financial literacy, teenagers, young adults, some regular adults, budgeting and different things like that, just giving them an opportunity to get some solid foundation for financial literacy, learn about some money.
1: And we're going to talk a little bit about how you got to where you are today. And I wanted to go back to the start and ask you a little bit about your upbringing and how that led you into your career. (laughs)
0: It was interesting. You know what? It's funny. I look back now and I realize like we didn't have a lot of money. I mean, we lived in the heart of the ghetto. We didn't have a lot of money, but we had each other. And so on some level, I mean, I felt like I had everything I needed. I mean, I wasn't starving. We didn't go without clothes. We didn't go without food or anything like that. My mom was an insanely hard worker and we single parent home, but we were all raised pretty solid. I mean, we just didn't have much, but we had a lot of love, a lot of laughter, you know, a lot of fun in our family still do. And so the thing that sort of that strikes me and the thing that I want to sort of speak on is like, even though we had our own little space, like I always knew I wanted more. I wasn't deprived in any way, but I also knew that there was so much more out there and that I needed to figure that out. For me, college was that way to figure that out. That was how I was going to get out of those walls and figure out what else was out there because I had no idea. You know, I was in my own little space. We were comfortable, but I knew that there was something else.
1: And once you kind of like satiated like that curiosity and that desire to go out and see it and experience it, what was the experience of college like for you once you were there?
0: College was awesome on some levels. And then there were some other things that happened I'll get to in a second. For me, it was really cool. It was so different from anything I'd ever seen and anything I'd ever known. Even just small stuff was different for me. My mom, when we were growing up, it was pretty strict, like, you know, you couldn't go outside looking a certain way. You you know, you had to be kept up and nice, neat, clean clothes, all those things. And so it was interesting. I remember my first week of college and I had an eight o'clock class and I see people in there with like pajamas on. And I was like, mom, you are not going to believe this. People are outside in their pajamas because <laughs> like, it just wasn't something that I was used to seeing. And so even just small things like that, that pretty insignificant. But to me, I was like, like, what? You know, like what? People do this? And so it was interesting. College was a pretty cool experience though. I went to a predominantly white college. When I started there, there were 66 African-American people in the entire school of about mm, somewhere between seven and 8,000 people. You know, there wasn't a lot of us. I was the only black person in most of my classes and mostly the events and things that I participated in, but you know, whatever. In my junior year, I actually started having some symptoms of an illness that I didn't know what it was at the time and ended up leaving school, just dropping out of school because I just didn't know what else to do. I have an autoimmune disease called myasthenia gravis. I literally would be in class and like could not get out the desk. I didn't have the strength in my legs and in my body to stand up. Things like that started happening. And so I started going to school less and less and ended up just like, I can't do it. I didn't know what was happening at the time. It took about four or five months for them to actually diagnose me. And so I stopped going to school. I dropped out of school. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I need to sort of figure all of this stuff out. And so ended up leaving school in my junior year to deal with all of the illness, move back home because my mom needed to take care of me, Um, went through a period of not being able to talk. Went through a period of not being able to eat solid food, couldn't walk, didn't drive for about a year. So there was a lot happening. And I just was like, okay, just need to back off all of this. And so it took some time off of school for for quite a while. But had a really good friend of mine that really encouraged me to go back once I was feeling a lot better and able to function and do normal things again. And just really encouraged me to like like you were so far. You have to go back. And then I finally was like, yeah, I really do. And I
1: did. That was really cool. Yeah, it sounds like you figured out kind of what was going on with the autoimmune disease. I was diagnosed in March of
0: 2002. Took some time off from work, was off of work for about a year and a half, had surgery. A few other things happened in there. Went back to work in 2003 and just sort of jumped right in. At the time, I was still living with my mom and I was like, I just want to save money and get back out on my own and, you know, sort of do things on my own again. I went back to school in 2005 and took me a couple of years to finish it all up because I was going part time, but finally
1: did it and got my bachelor's degree in 2007. Cool. And then once you had the bachelor's degree, what was kind of your early career and how did things evolve after that?
0: So initially when I first started school, I wanted to get my business degree because I actually wanted to open up a restaurant, but I wanted to learn all of the back end first, then wanted to go to culinary school. So once I got sick with myasthenia, the doctor was like, no, you're going to find a desert job. (laughs) You're not, you're not going to go cook for anyone. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I need to figure out what I'm going to do now. You know, I had this whole plan in my head, you know, even going into school when I was 17, I like had this whole plan and I had it all mapped out. And now all of a sudden I've been completely railroaded and I was like, what now? So I've always been really solid with numbers. My aunt was a bookkeeper. And so I was like, well, let me explore this accounting thing. And so when I went back to school, got my bachelor's in business with an emphasis in accounting and went straight into I was in my senior year, did an internship at an accounting firm here in Santa Rosa. And things just sort of took off from there. I mean, it, it just really did. I had no idea that this is where I was going to land, like no clue whatsoever. But it's been awesome.
1: And you and I had talked earlier about like those early career days. And when you were kind of just first learning, like, how do I exist? How do I be myself in this environment? And that's a really big theme on this show is like feeling comfortable in a professional work environment. Can you talk a little bit about that early experience?
0: Yeah, it was hard. (laughs) It was hard. It was hard just trying to figure out because I had never been in those situations before. And I had never worked a professional job in that, you know. And so I worked at a grocery store for a long time. I worked at a child care for a while as well in the office, but, you know, at a child care. I just never been in a professional environment. And so I had to learn all of those things. I had to learn all of that etiquette and how to, just how to exist, but at the same time still be myself. It took a while. I mean, it was just like, I just had to surround myself with the, with professionals and continue to be in those situations. And it was almost like practicing, you know, the same way you learn anything else, you had to learn to be that, to be in those situations and what was okay, what was not okay and and different things like that. So I would literally, I would go attend conferences. I would go to business meetings. I would go to business expos. I would do all of those things and just put myself around professional people in order to learn because I didn't have that that level of upbringing. And so we were never around a lot of professional type people. I didn't even know very many people that even had a bachelor's degree when I was growing up, let alone be a professional. And so those were things that I just had to learn.
1: What would you advise if there's anyone out there who's kind of going through that process of like, how do I exist in this environment? And how do I also be myself and not feel weird and uncomfortable? Like, um, Are there any tidbits or things you learned along the way that you think could help? For me, it was just like needing to just get out there. You have to network. You have to network.
0: You have to put yourself in those situations. Even if it's uncomfortable, you know, you still have to do it because at some point you're going to need that skill. With any other skill that you're trying to learn or anything that you're just trying to hone in on, you literally, you just have to keep practicing. And so even though I didn't always want to be at business dinners, I didn't always want to be, you know, in those situations, I had to. I had to. That was the only way that I was going to make a name for myself also. You know, in the accounting world, especially when you're in a local, a small local place the way I am, a lot of people know your name. The accounting world is not that large. And so in this area, you know, word of mouth is huge. I had to put myself out there. You know, I needed people to be speaking great things about Latasha Thomas. And so... The only way I could do that was to continue to put myself out there. And if you want it and you want it that bad, you need to go out there. You have to put yourself in situations where people are discussing your name.
1: Yeah, I think that's such a helpful way of thinking about it because like you basically had a goal, which is like, I want to be seen this way. This is the reputation I want. This is where I'm headed. And then instead of seeing it as like, oh, it's this uncomfortable thing, which it is or which it was at the time, you saw it as like puzzle pieces to what you were trying to build. So that makes it, that gives you the drive to just do it. You said it
0: so perfectly, just the big puzzle. What's the big picture? What are all the different things that you'll need to get to where you need to go? You know, we always focus on that end, you know, result, but it's all about the journey. You know, the journey is what makes it awesome. So figuring out all of those different pieces What are some of the things that I need to do? How do I need to dress? How do I present myself? And is that comfortable for me? You still have to do it all while being yourself. So finding, you know, your comfort zone, but in that professional space, that's what it's all about. And it's tricky. It really is tricky. For me, you know, it was just like, I had to learn the lingo. I had to do all of those things. It was difficult. There's no doubt about that. I mean, and it's exhausting sometimes. (laughs) There's, you know, no doubt about that. But at the same time, it's like, but this is where I want to go. And that's the only way I'm going to get there. That is the journey. That's the path.
1: I love that. I don't know if you'd relate to this, but like sometimes when something feels bad in the moment, you can also see that value can come from a very unpleasant thing. Like you could see what it will do for your character and for you as a person absolutely i'd say all the time i never like
0: growing up i've been around some the craziest situations ever but they all made me who i am today they all prepared me for something bigger better and i don't know what those things will be god hasn't revealed that plan to me just yet but he's constantly preparing me for it and so being in those situations and learning what i learn even the bad things all of it is preparing you for what's next And so sometimes you just got to get ready. You don't know what you're getting ready for, but you got to get ready.
1: Yeah. And sometimes I think about it this way, too. Like, if I'm going through something so horrible, then that means the next time a horrible thing happens, I have like a horrible situations toolkit and hard things start seeming less hard because you're like you have an analogy somewhere. Absolutely. And you just get stronger. I mean, you just you get stronger
0: by the day. The good things, the bad things, all of them make you stronger. And so it's just like, you know, but there's gonna be something bigger. And that that's my, that's always like my thing. It's like, I know I'm gonna be uncomfortable for a while. It's okay. It's okay. That's, it's all right. I know that something else is coming my way and I just got to work towards that. And I have to be, you know, I have to keep, just continue focus, focus, focus. I don't even, sometimes I don't even know what I'm working towards sometimes, but I know that something else is around that bin and whatever it is that I'm in in the moment, I'm just going to roll with it. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to take it all in. I'm going to take it with me because I'm going to need that at some point in time. That's been my life. Like that literally has been my life. It's just like not everything's going to be good. It was really, really difficult for me going through the myasthenia and going through being off of work and not being able to do simple things that other people can do. I went through this time period where I wasn't able to smile. It was the hardest time in my life. Something that is so natural that all of a sudden I can't do. And I was 21 when I was diagnosed. And so that's hard. And all of a sudden you can't smile, you can't drive, you can't talk, all of those things. But I knew that that was all going to prepare me for something much larger. You know, it's really hard to not fall victim to your situation. But sometimes you just have to understand that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And we're on a journey. We're on a journey. Mm.
1: And what I'm really excited about, too, is we kind of get to hear how the journey evolved. And now you're somewhere completely different. So I would love to hear how those beginnings kind of led you to where you are now.
0: So I I am 100% accountant by trade. I went to work for the accounting firm. I learned so much there. It was insane. And I actually, during the time that I was debating, like, was I going to take that job offer? I had another job offer at a much larger firm with a lot more money. But for me, I've always been the learner. And I knew, I knew just from conversations with people, you know, that had come before me that made those decisions already. And they had said, you know. A lot of people, when you go work for a larger firm, you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. Well, I was given the opportunity at this local firm that was much smaller that I didn't have to make a choice. We'll teach you both. We'll teach you accounting. We'll teach you tax. We'll teach you audit. We'll teach you bookkeeping. And I was like, well, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, gonna make me a, that's gonna make me a whole lot more marketable later. And so I was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I had this, I mean, just an amazing opportunity. And so I took that opportunity. So I jumped right on in. I started out just doing bookkeeping, tax work. It was like, if one of the accountants or one of the managers wanted something small done, I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. (laughs) I'll take care of it. Because for me, it was just like, learn, 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 learn all that you can, because I was surrounded by so much knowledge and so many amazing people. And they wanted to share, you know, they wanted to share the knowledge they wanted to share, but they hadn't come across someone that was hungry for the knowledge. And so for me, it was just like, I'm gonna learn everything that I need to learn right now. And so I just jumped right on in and worked there for about six and a half, close to seven years. Worked there, started out as an intern, like literally just doing just random mundane tasks and Then it turned into, you know, I was the tax manager and then I became the audit manager and, you know, I'm like literally running the office. And so there was just all of these different things. It was just a really cool experience. I decided to leave there because I wanted my life back. And I decided that 80 hour work weeks weren't really fun. And so decided that, you know, it was time for me to go. And I still love those guys to this day and, you know, still connect with them frequently, actually. And so it's been a it's been an awesome journey. And then I left public accounting and I had got my CPA license and I did all this kind of fun and cool stuff that I wanted to do there and left because I was just like, I need to tone it down a little bit. And sort of reconnect with my family and be able to sort of do things that that I want to do on the weekends. And maybe I want to go to a movie on the weekends while working at the accounting firm just didn't allow for me to do that. So I needed to just do something a little bit different at that time in my life. And so I went to work for a nonprofit here as their controller. And that was pretty awesome. It was amazing. It was just such an amazing experience because I got to take all of the things that I learned before and not only apply them, but apply them to a company that was doing some amazing things in our community. And so it was just twofold was just awesome. For me, that just worked out really well. Worked there for six years, six years, something like that, and decided to move once again. This time, it was more because of the personal growth. When I was working for Anova, I just felt like I had learned everything that I can learn about the company inside and out. And so I just feel like I didn't have another place to go. And while I absolutely love what ANOVA, you know, does in the community and love the people that I work with. They were just so amazing. I still needed more. And I mentioned this a little bit ago that I've always been the learner, learner, learner. And so I was in a space of like, I don't know what else to do, you know, and I feel felt a little stuck. I knew, like I literally knew the processes of this company inside and out. And so I was like, well, what else is there? And so I really started focusing on my personal growth, personal development, and me just wanting to do something a little bit different. Came across this ad for my current job and was like, "Hmm, (laughs) now this may be it. (laughs) So during my first interview, I interviewed with the CEO and I left out of the building going, She can teach me so much. Like, yes, this is it. This is absolutely it. This is exactly where I need to be. And so I made the decision to transition from ANOVA and go to work for the Boys and Girls Club. And it's been amazing. Like, absolutely amazing. First of all, we get to help kids every single day. That's, you know, that alone is huge. Second, we have a VP team that is outstanding and it's just really cool to be able to learn from them. They all work in, you know, very unique ways and all have their own, you know, sort of way of doing things, but all with this common goal and I am just extremely grateful to be able to work with them. Our CEO is nothing short of amazing and probably one of the best leaders that I've ever been in the presence of. And that's where I want to go. That was, for me, that personal development was, I want to learn how to be a better leader. Mm. When I was at Inova, I always felt as though I made a great connection with, with my team and I worked hard with them. They worked hard with me. And there was always this mutual understanding, this mutual trust. But how can I be an even better leader? You know, how can I do the things that I do, but do them more efficiently, be more effective, reach more people and be able to grow not only myself, but grow others. That's what I really set out to do when I decided to take the position at the Boys and Girls Club.
1: I'm so curious. So before you took this position, Mm -hmm. even before this, there was tons of upward growth, like starting as the intern, right, and then getting all the way to that controller position. So for that period, I'm curious, like, what your moments were of kind of realizing, like, oh, I'm more, like, senior in my position than I used to be, and kind of reflecting back and seeing how you were evolving as a leader as, like, you made all of those transitions upwards. I knew things were changing
0: because people would come to me. And so when the less senior or the new folks on the block would come to me for advice and would come to me on how to do things, how processes work, how do we do things here? And I started that mentorship. That's when things started changing for me. And that's when the light bulbs will go off because I didn't set out to do those things. You know, That wasn't something that was clear in my head at the time. For me, it was just learn and grow, learn and grow, do something more, do something bigger. But when other people started going, well, ask Tasha, or LaTasha can help you, or I would say, hey, let's all get together and do this, or what about this? And the partner started to listen, and the manager started to listen. That's when I knew that I was hitting their level. And so that's when things changed for me. It wasn't something that I, when I started working for the accounting firm, I didn't say I wanted to be a tax manager or I wanted to be the audit manager. I just wanted to grow. Mm-hmm. And I just want to learn as much as I could because I knew I had a, a huge opportunity to do that. So it wasn't an aha moment, I guess you can say. Things just sort of naturally progress that way. And I am naturally <laughs> the take over and <laughs> take over whatever's happening and give direction. And if we're in a slump, I'm natural born like, okay, no, we're going to do this and this is the solution and, and let's figure this all out. Let's map out all the pieces. Let's come up with a solution. So I naturally do that anyway. And so it just happened, you know, for me, it really just happened. And the partners were awesome and and very supportive too. And so it just turned out to be a really great role and great connection for Hmm. me.
1: So now you are thinking about it more. Like now the (laughs) up-leveling the leadership is more on your mind. And I'm I'm so curious to hear like what you want that to look like or what that is looking like for you right now.
0: Well, I just knew that most of my career, I've always focused on the technical piece. And so technical knowledge, and just you know honing in on different skill sets, learning different things, specializing, you know I want to specialize in nonprofits. I knew that, so I set out to learn everything about nonprofits that I could. I've always been focused on that piece. It wasn't until I was at ANOVA or later actually on when I was at ANOVA, that I realized that I needed to work on the soft skills as well and work on the personal piece. And so in the personal development, that's where things started to change as far as me actually thinking about those things and where do I want to go. I also knew that at some point in my career that I wanted to become an entrepreneur. So I had to learn those things, you know, unless I was Mm going to be a solopreneur, then whatever. But if I wanted to have other people work for me and I wanted to, you know, get out there in the world and connect with other people that I had to learn some more and I needed to do some more. And that's when I really started going, Okay, let me hone in on these skills just a little bit more and focus on that a little bit more as opposed to just the technical skill.
1: I think this is so important, especially for women out there who want to be moving up and and like you, like always up leveling, I think. We, in a lot of work environments, I think it's not so common to be focusing as much on those softer Mm -hmm. things, but I think they're incredibly powerful. Absolutely. There are just some skills that you can
0: have as a leader, as a person that will make you stand out. You know, your work ethic is everything. And so there were just some things that, that for me, build trust you know, with my team. Like There was never a time where my team was working extra hours and I wasn't. That just didn't exist. And so they trusted me, I trust them, and that mutual understanding was always there. And so there were certain things that I had to learn to do and some that came naturally, some, some that I had to learn where I had to make sure that I was putting myself in, in a
1: solid position. But I didn't necessarily think about that or
0: consider that until later on.
1: And in terms of the flip side of that, for the team members, because a lot of people listening are more in that position, what would you advise to them to build that connection upwards with their manager and have that like tight, honest, healthy, transparent relationship? You know what? Something something one of the partners told me. Gosh, I don't know.
0: I was pro- I had probably been there for a few years, and I had just been promoted to manager. And he came to me, and it was so, it was just such a random moment. He came to my door, and there was no chit chat or nothing. He just said, You know what, Latasha, if you want to be successful as a manager, you have to learn how to manage up and down. And I kind of looked at him and I was like, What do you mean? And he's like, Well, you need to know how to manage your managers. And I was like, Uh, okay. (laughs) I'll figure that one out later, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So he just, and it wasn't until later that I was like, oh, that's what Gary meant. So, you know, (laughs) like, oh, I get it. Where the same way you put effort into learning your team and how they work together, who has, you know, what skill set, you know, what you can give this person, what you can't give this person and to make things efficient, you have to learn those same things about your manager. And those are the things that I try to, to impart on people now. I'm like learn your manager the same way you learn your coworkers. Learn your manager the same way you learn the rest of your team. Learn the way that they work, how they communicate, and then you can work with that. If you know that someone communicates best via email, well, you're not going to consistently leave them voicemails or you're not going to consistently leave get them a text message or you know something like that. You're not going to communicate in that way. Do the same thing. The same way you learn all of those characteristics about the people that that you know work for you learn the exact same things about the people that you know that are above you and that has been probably one of the best piece of advice that someone has given me in the business world that I have used consistently every single job every single position that has been a piece of advice that I've taken with me at all times
1: I think it applies regardless of like what kind of manager you have, because a big pain point out there is like the difficult, you know, like I don't get along with my manager. They drive me crazy. And I think that that point of view can help you strategize and make it less painful than it has to be. (laughs) Well, and it
0: gives you a solid base of communication, too. It makes it a lot easier for you to say what you need to say. And to do the things that you need to do and know how to do that without, you know, offending someone or, you know, making someone feel bad or any of those things. You know, there's definitely a way that you can do what you need to do and say what you need to say gracefully. That's absolutely possible.
1: One thing that I wanted to go back to is something that you mentioned when we first talked, which is so often throughout your career, you're the only woman in the room also the only Black woman in the room. And Mm -hmm. I would love to hear how that's been for you and kind of what you would want listeners to know about your experience.
0: Originally, it was a little intimidating because I, you know, on some level felt like, should I be here? (laughs) Like, is this my place? And then I quickly, like really quickly, realized that, yeah, I should be here. And this is my place. Absolutely. Sometimes you got to change things, and sometimes you have to be the one to make the change, and that's okay. You know, for me, I was the only black person that worked at several positions, several jobs that I had, whatever. At some point, I had to accept, and they had to accept also that A, I was just as smart as you are, you know, (laughs) sometimes, sometimes more, (laughs) you know, and that's okay. And I belong in this room the same way you belong in this room. I worked hard just to get here the same way you did and so there was no denying that that I should have been there and I had to really accept like no it's okay it's okay it's okay and not only that not only accept it but actually embrace it and realize that that was a huge opportunity for me you know it was a huge opportunity for me to be the only female or to be the only black female you know For some, you know, that was difficult, but like for me, it was just like, no, like this is absolutely where I need to be and that's okay. That's okay. And I made those choices too. That was the other thing. I went to a predominantly all white college and knew I was going to a predominantly all white college. While once I got there, there was definitely that culture shock that I was like, oh yeah, I really did make this decision, but I made that decision. I looked at those demographics before I decided to go there. And I was living in an area also that was predominantly white and Hispanic. Well, I knew that it wasn't a shock to be the only black person, but I also had to just be okay with that. That was the situation that I put myself in, number one. And if I wanted it to be different, then I could do that too. I can either change it by being the only black person and then inviting a few black friends so I didn't have to be the only black person, or I can leave. And so I quickly decided, like, I didn't want to leave. That's not what I wanted to do. And where I was was exactly where I wanted to be. And so everybody else was just going to have to accept it.
1: If there are people out there listening and thinking, okay, like, that mindset shift sounds super powerful, but I'm not as confident as this woman. Like, Tasha, you are, your presence is very, people will feel it (laughs) just listening to you speak. And so what would you say to someone who's thinking, like, well, I don't have the same confidence level as her or like, like, can I make that mindset shift? Like, how would you kind of mentor, or advise someone who like wants to make that pivot you made, but is like questioning whether they have what it takes?
0: Take your time. Really, truly take your time. It's okay. I wasn't always as confident. I mean, I feel like I've always had a little bit of confidence, but I was not always this confident. But it took time to get there. It took time for me to accept me. It took time for me to love me. That wasn't something that initially happened. I was, you know, always felt like I was different from other people. I was different from folks in my family. I was different from the people that I, you know, put myself in a room with. But at the same time, I also knew that that is exactly what I wanted. While I had that confidence on the inside and I had that confidence when I was alone It took me a while to project that when I was out and in a room full of other people. And so just take your time. You know, if it's something that you want and you know that you can get it and you know you have the skill set and you have the drive, like, do it. Go for it. It took me years and years to shut off the other people and not pay attention to what everybody else was saying that took a really long time to make that happen. And I'm talking to even people in my family, people at school. I had people tell me that I wouldn't make it. I had teachers tell me that I wouldn't make it. I was like, okay. <laughs> you know? So at some point when you get older and you you have had people in your life that are supposed to be encouraging you and people that you typically in a normal situation would aspire to be like telling you that you can't do it, At some point you have to, you have to rid yourself of those negative, those negative comments and, and not take that in. That's not a, that's not an easy thing to do. And that's why I say, just take your time. Like you, you build confidence over time. None of us, you know, step out with, you know, this insanely high level of confidence. It really takes time. And it also takes some success moments, Going from leaving school with the Myasthenia Gravis and then going back to school and taking two years to finish one year's worth of work. And it was just like, oh, my God. And so finally having like, I finally have my degree or I finally did something, you know, having those success moments definitely helped. But it's hard when you're in the trenches. It really is. And that's why I say just take your time, work towards your goals, map out your plans, map out your goals, work with intention, and keep pushing. And it'll happen. It will absolutely happen. It is not an overnight deal at all, but it is 100% doable, for sure.
1: And so what's next for you? Ooh, what's next
0: at the Boys and Girls Club, I am like literally, again, learning all that I can. I've been there for a little less than a year. And so I just want to continue to grow in that role and grow as a leader. Like I said, I'm super fortunate. Our our um, VP team, our executive team consists of five females and one male. And it's amazing. And so <laughs> I'm like, here we are, this you know, team of six and five of them are females running you know, this insanely large company and serving 3,000 kids every single day. Like, let's do it. And so I just want to keep on learning from those ladies and growing it for, as a professional, growing in my leadership. And that's just one of my really big goals is to really, really focus on learning as much as I can about the company Doing as much as I can to help our kids and and build our community, and truly, truly honing in on my leadership skills. That's a big one for me right now. On the flip side, building my company, connecting with other amazing individuals in the personal finance world, and just really taking what I've learned over the years and my skill set, and really, really giving our kids a chance, giving our giving our teens a chance, and. Giving them an opportunity to learn so much more, you know. You see statistics out there that there's, you know, one point five trillion dollars worth of student loan debt, you know. And I just want to help some kids not add to that. For right now, that's what I'm. That's what I'm doing, and that's what I'm working on.
1: You have two careers, and you're a mom. <laughs>
0: I am a mom. I have a five and a half year old. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's busy.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm extremely impressed by that because. <laughs> Two big real things, one that you created. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I wanted to ask you is just what your really big career dream is. Like what is the biggest thing that you want for yourself? It's so interesting. At one point in
0: in time, I really wanted to retire early. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, I want like, to work really, really hard if so I can retire early. <laughs> And now it's interesting because now I'm in a space of I'm working on two different projects that I love. And I'm like, I don't necessarily want to retire early right now, you know, and work myself to death just so I can, like, go lay out on the beach and and hang out and not worry. You know, that's a hard one for me because ultimately I just am always striving to be a better person, no matter what that is. You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter what I'm doing. And just like being a better person and making a better better decisions than I did the day before, that's just always the goal. And so, ultimately, yes, I would love to continue and and run my company full time, but in a in a different way. Um, right now, I am the person who's doing all of the teaching and all of the everything. At some point, I would like to be the person that's facilitating. <laughs> this this portion and teaching other people how to be amazing teachers and teaching other people how to be amazing people and stewards in the community. So that's my ultimate goal is to teach the teacher.
1: Wonderful. Mm -hmm. And with that, I'm going to get into the listener question if you're ready for it. Absolutely. Okay, here we go. So the listener asks, my previous manager recently left my company, and I'm having a lot of troubles getting along with my new manager. She's not the type who likes to watch her team succeed. She's more of a micromanager that tracks what minute you arrive at work. She constantly takes credit for my work, and she compares us all the time and feels threatened when I'm working on something she is not. I used to enjoy my job, but I'm having troubles feeling happy and sane with her around. Is this a fixable situation, and is there something I can do to get to a healthier dynamic? Sincerely, Feeling Trapped. Okay. Couple things, couple things that, that immediately pop
0: into my head. The first one is is it fixable? Well, I don't know. But there's definitely a few things you can try to decide that. The first one is communicate. I think communication is everything. Sit down, have a conversation with them. One thing that I said, you know, before is managing up and down. Have a conversation with your manager, explain to them the type of management style that works really well for you. Ask questions, find out like, what, what is it? Are they maybe feeling insecure because they're the new person on the block and feel like they have something to prove, you know, let them know that we're team. We're all in this together. There's definitely something to be said about being honest and being transparent with your supervisor. I know for me as a supervisor, I 100% appreciate honesty. I 100% appreciate transparency. I love it when somebody that, that's on my team comes and says to me like, I noticed you did so-and-so, but mm, I didn't really like that. Or like, well, what about, can we try this? Or, you know, you don't have to come right out and say like, I hate it when you do so-and-so, you know, we don't need to put those type of fill-ins out in the universe but at the same time, there's definitely a way to communicate gracefully that you're unhappy. And these are the things that, that are happening around you or with you that make you uncomfortable. Give that person the opportunity to change. But they may not know that they're doing something that's bothering you. And so that's why I say communication is everything. That person may go home and say, hey, honey, I had a great day today <laughs> and you're going home and saying the exact opposite, you know, and so give them give them an opportunity, have some conversation and be, be vocal, be transparent and, you know, say what it is you need to say while at the same time doing it in a graceful way and not being offensive, not being accusatory, but giving them an opportunity to make some changes. That can be your, your first step. And then you can definitely have a have an opportunity and give them some time to see if that's a change that you want to make or if it's a career that you want to be in. I have yet to find one single company that does everything and does it great, but there's other companies out there too. So that may be an option, but I would 100% have some conversation. Buy them coffee. Sit down and buy them coffee and sit down and have a conversation and let them know how you're feeling. Thank you so much, Tasha. Absolutely.
1: And now, for the closing questions that I ask to everybody. The first one is about the title of the podcast, which is The Art of Speaking Up. And I love to ask every guest what speaking up means to them and why it's important to them.
0: You know, for me, it's just all about promoting awareness. If we don't say something, then how will someone else know? And so, Again, it's just like that communication is everything, but promote that awareness and not only, not only promote awareness about the things that are bad, promote awareness about the things that are good. If there's people around you that are doing amazing things, tell them, speak up, <laughs> you know, say something. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, it's like, not just the bad things, you know, there's a lot of things in our society that we're scared to talk about. And that we don't bring attention to, but bring awareness to it. Absolutely. Put it on the table. Have those difficult conversations. Right now, you know, I mentioned my finances matter, where, you know, we're having conversations about money. That's not always easy, but it's always a conversation that we need to have. Mm -hmm. And so I am always encouraging people to say what you got to say, speak up, say what's on your mind. Let's have some conversation about it. Not everyone is always open to that, but you have to always try.
1: I love that. I can't go into any of it because then we'll be talking for three hours. <laughs> but I love everything that you just said so much. There's so much in there. <laughs> I'm like, I need to hold myself back. <laughs> but I totally agree. And and I'll just say I'll, I'll highlight one that like really jumped out at me just because I can't not. But the speaking up about the positive, and I think this is really something that us women can do for one another is to tell each other when we admire one another or when someone like when a woman has done a positive thing for another woman, like the power in that is insane.
0: Absolutely. There is, there is not a single person on earth that can encourage us more than we can encourage ourselves. I just don't feel like that's possible because I can have 10 people around me telling me something's amazing, but if I don't believe in it myself, it's not going to be amazing to me. The moment you start encouraging yourself, you will start encouraging others. I promise you, you will. I promise you. I love it. You will give it off. I mean, that light, once you have that light in you, you will give that light to other people. You absolutely will. And there is not a single thing that another woman can do to dim your light. Like, that's just not, you have to give them that power And so there is, there is no reason whatsoever that we can't help other shine other people on.
1: And with that, I'm going to ask you the closing question, which is my favorite. And the context is that I started this show because Like many of us, I had some rough times in my early career and I started the show so that I could speak to women, whether they're going through something difficult or whether they need some encouragement to go after their professional goals and dreams and make them feel good and empowered and just reach them. And so I love to Mm -hmm. give the floor to the guest to share whatever is on their mind or on their heart that they would want to share to empower and uplift other women.
0: There's a quote that I would love to share that really just embodies my entire life. (laughs) Um, it's, It's by Richie Norton, who's an author, blogger, and it says, intentional living is the art of making your own choices before others choose for us. And so be intentional. Go out there with the intent to do something amazing. And it doesn't have to be something on a grand scale. You know, like I said, just doing, being intentional where you wake up in the morning and you you know that I'm gonna do better than I did yesterday and living with that intent because no one else can do that for you. We make our own choices, but if we give the power to other people, they will use it, absolutely. And so be intentional, be great and go out there with, Just live that, embody that every single day. You know, there is not a single day that I wake up that I go, you know, today I'm just like, I'm gonna be a bad person. Like, we don't do that, you know? And so wake up with great intentions and do your daily duties with great intentions. Go out there with a positive mind. Go out there with positive thinking. Continue, you know, just have positive vibes, period. And, it'll show, it'll show, it'll hundred percent show. And not only that, when you live intentionally, you make choices to get to where you need to go, you know, and you, all of the little steps that you take, they all get you to that greater good and to that greater goal that you've set. But you can't do that unless you really embody it. That's my advice to people is just be intentional, you know, really, really go out there and work towards what you want with the intention of getting there and getting there in a very positive way, in a very positive manner. No no one will be able to tell you no.
1: I love that so much. Thank you so much, Tasha. Absolutely, anytime, anytime. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Tasha. She was incredible. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope that you learned something. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to go into the iTunes store and leave a rating for the show. It just takes a second. I also love getting your reviews and seeing how you're enjoying the show. So if you're being called to write a review, I would love to hear your feedback. And if you want to submit a listener question to be answered on the show, you can find me on Instagram. Handle is at the Art of Speaking Up, or you can send me an email, Jessica at theartofspeakingup.com. As always, thank you for listening. Have an incredible day, and I'll catch you next week. Bye.